What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new. Something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. As usual, I'm Sid here with the homie Reg. What up, Reg? What up, Sid? How you been, my boy? Everything good, man. Um, so per usual, we're gonna start out with the Saints and touch on uh the last week of football and the upcoming week of football, but we also going uh going to finally get a chance to talk some NBA uh as well. Um, like I say, as usual, let's start off with the Saints, man. New Orleans Saints travel to Denver to play the quarterbackless uh Broncos. Uh, that's definitely something that only uh would happen during these times of COVID. Right. But what right. did you uh, <laughs> what did you take from this game, man? It was the first time I've seen an NFL game when neither team had a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, uh, I really think uh, Taysom Hill would have gotten an opportunity to play more of a quarterback position if the game would have been close, but we didn't need them. We didn't need James Winston. We didn't need anybody. Denver was just bad. Not having a quarterback in the NFL, we know how that goes. But when you are out of all choices for quarterbacks, where you have to put other skill position players at that position, yeah, you uh, you got a bad thing going on. But it really wasn't even much to cover or talk about with Denver. Um, they just basically lined up at in the second half, gave us Wildcat, and said, "Let us go ahead and get on out uh, out of here, and you know, head back to our houses and enjoy our Thanksgiving weekend." Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I say, I, I said it Sunday. I've said it plenty of times since then. That was the ugliest twenty-eight point victory I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a football game. Yeah. Um. Like you said, the the game plan was simple. We didn't need anything extravagant or anything like that in order to win this game. We just needed to, to we just needed to go out there and play football. Honestly, uh, <laughs> because even even if we would have went out there and turned the ball over four times, it wasn't nothing that they could do on offense to right. to go put up points and you know force our hands and anything. Um. Yeah, the defense showed up. The defense went out there and, and balled out. Uh, Denver came out with what they had. I mean, that's all they could play with. And unfortunately, what they had handcuffed them in the worst way uh, in football. So, like I say, the the thing that one of the most underrated things in football is being able to go out there and win the games you're supposed to win. And that's what we did Sunday. Like, just go out there and win the games that you're supposed to win. Don't let the fact that they're going to be coming out in wildcat and doing things differently like that beat y'all. Because like, mm-hmm. Don't go out there and take any wild chances with Taysom Hill. Um, because even even not at full strength, that is, that is a decent Denver defense. Mm-hmm. And the weather, of course, was going to be on that side as well. So... Give what you can from the running game. The bright spot, uh, Latavius Murray had a great game, um, as he tends to always do when we go down to our backup quarterback and 
have to run the football more. Yeah. Um, but like you say, was there really much to take uh, from either team uh, in this situation except for the result? Yep, that's it. I tried to look at this game in so many different ways because obviously we were favored by a lot going in and expected to win the game, you know, on either side of the ball offensively and defensively. So I try to look for things like, okay, let me see how special teams really look. Uh, let's see if our defense fall for any of the trickery that Denver could have mustered up in the short time frame that they had. Any trick plays, any flea flickers, any reverses, anything of that nature. I just felt like, hey, let's let's work on that. Let's let's work on getting comfortable on that. I just try to find anything to to single out that we did that was bad. But yeah. really, it wasn't. It really wasn't none of that. Uh, Denver was just so short-handed. They were so handcuffed at the quarterback position that they played into our hands. To it was the second, third possession that Denver had the ball, and our defense was just licking their chops. I mean, corners and safeties was looking to get interceptions. Yeah. Uh, D lineman was looking to get sacks. I. It, it was nothing they can do. In football, you already know if your quarterback is below average it's hard for you to win i don't care how great your other skill positions are how great your defense so you know we got team teams like the chicago bears who have a phenomenal defense and they struggle to score 20 points every sunday and it caused them to lose games so if you have something that's even worse than that you already know you know your chances of winning is not likely plus you're playing one of the best teams in the nfl in new orleans saints so we spoke off air a little bit about it, and I told you, I, if I was the coach, I would have said, hey, y'all take Sunday off. Who, who wants to play? Who don't want to play? Because the NFL at this point has made it clear they care nothing about competitive fairness this year. And I respect them for being that blunt about it. But me as a coach or me as a player, if you're going to tell me that, then I have to do what's best for me. And that's, that's, that's lookout for me. So I just thought it would have been cool for, uh, you know, guys that didn't want to play, your veteran guys, because it's not like they're going to the playoffs or nothing. Uh, if they wanted that that Sunday off, I would have gave them that Sunday off because that's basically what it was. It was an off day. You know what's interesting about that, too? Um, the at, the at the end of the day, the NFL, of course, they want to make their money. Right. Which, whichever way it comes across. They want to make their money. But – at the same time, they know where their money lies. So they know moving that Denver Saints game wouldn't that that, that wasn't gonna affect them any. Mm-hmm. But that Baltimore Pittsburgh game, you see how many times that game right. has been moved and kicked down, kicked down the line so far. Right. It started off as a Sunday game, went to Monday, went to Tuesday, now we mm-hmm. at Wednesday. Correct. So it do it there are games that they're gonna that they will push down the line, but that just wasn't that wasn't one of them. And that's just what I'm talking about when I say competitive fairness, because it came out that Denver coaches staff asked for the game to be postponed because if they would have waited until the very next day, Denver would have had their quarterback. But the NFL came back and denied them and said, y'all have to go with what y'all got, which we knew wasn't nothing. You're basically telling us to take the L. So if you're going to be that blunt with me, I'm going to be that blunt with you. We'll show up. You might get Denver, but you're not going to get the Broncos. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'll come out there with it. And, and once again, it's it's also them being consistent too, though, because it was it was a breakout within a position group, and we saw that earlier this season with Oakland when their offensive line was in close contact and had to quarantine. Um, 
But of course, they 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 were able to make it back within that time. Um, so something that seems like it's become becoming a weekly thing for us. Now we get to go and talk about the division uh, rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, Tampa Bay has been one of the most frustrating teams for me this year, simply because of all the hype that Brady gets every game. I want to be very clear with this. To me, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play. And it, it has more to do with just flat out having six rings. Like, that's how everyone always thought this GOAT conversation when you talk about quarterbacks. Six rings mean something. It means a lot. I mean, obviously, you won at the highest level more than any other quarterback has done. But when you tell them about Belichick or the role he played, he played in the success for New England, they throw that out the window. And I think right here is a great example of how much coaching means to not just Tom Brady, but quarterbacks in general, but we're speaking about Tom Brady right now. There's no question if this was Josh McDaniels in Tampa, we'd be seeing Tom Brady play Tom Brady football as they see. But once again, Tampa Bay lost this game to me because of Tom Brady. Defense was, was bad in the first half, uh, but we knew that going in, if you're playing against KC, your defense is not going to look as good as they normally look. So we have to go score point for point and match them in some way, shape, or form. And Tom Brady failed to do that. You can't let KC go up 17 No, This is the same team that won three games last year when they was trailing by 20 or more points. I'm sorry, 10 or more points in the playoffs, including the Super Bowl, and came back and won all of those ball games. So going in, Tom knew who he was up against. He knew what he had to do, and he failed to do it. And to me, that was the story. That's why Tampa Bay lost. There is a lot. Um, so earlier this year, what was the big talk about Drew Brees? His arm strength, him not Correct. him not being able to get the ball downfield, which once again, he never was able to really. He never really had much arm strength to begin with. And but where's that talk about Tom Brady? In any regard, not just his deep ball because that's been struggling too this year. But in any regard, it's physical. It's more than struggling. It's bad. Yeah, but yeah, so in regards to any of his physical abilities on the field, even though we're seeing them, but they're there, they're glaring at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah. <laughs> because me and you, I want to say it didn't make it on air, but me and you talked last week about why he focused on that slot position so much mm -hmm. to where I felt like that handicap, that handcuff or handicaps the rest of his game. And you made a valid point saying, well, Hey, what else? What what else is there for him to do? That's where he's going to be most comfortable at, and a lot of that is being is because of he can't get the ball downfield. He can't put the ball where it needs to be once you get above so many yards, and that was evident Sunday when they played. Exactly, and there were, was, mm -hmm. there were some plays early. Um, what well, else some plays throughout that game? There were three or four to where his receivers just didn't make a play. Mm -hmm. But man, there were some passes that <laughs> there were some passes that just weren't on point that were nowhere right. near where he needed it, needed well, it to go. And it's hard to it's hard for anybody to honestly defend that, even well, though people right. want to try. 
and that kills me. That right there, that's what kills me, man. It's like we could recognize Tom Brady greatness and say he's the GOAT, whether you're a Patriot fan or what. I mean, but if you like football, I find it hard for you to tell me that Tom Brady isn't in your top three greatest quarterbacks of all time. But he's not that anymore, man. You got to let that go. (laughs) He's not that no more. And I saw I was read I was doing a lot of reading. I always do a lot of research before we, you know, get on air because I like dropping facts. A lot of the a lot of feelings that we have for sports is our opinions. But what you can't argue is facts. In the wins this year, Tom Brady has 20 touchdowns and two interceptions. He was the clear reason that they won those ball games. 20 in 20 touchdowns, only two interceptions. In the losses this year, eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. How can you blame that on anybody else but the quarterback? How can you tell me that there's Bruce Aarons or the D? Bruh, your your quarterback has eight touchdowns and nine interceptions. How about we start there? Exactly. But it's Tom Brady. He does no wrong, and folks don't see it. And like you said, we spoke last last week about me saying that they need to play Tom Brady football. And I, I know you kind of uh, took offense to me saying that Antonio Brown has to be targeted so much. And you was like, he's not the best receiver. And my defense was, he may not be. I could care less if he's the best. What I'm saying is, with him and Godwin does best, fits Tom Brady the best right now. You can, I was talking to someone. I, I told them, you can have Tyreek Hill. On his Tampa Bay team, he would not get used the same way that he gets used in Kansas City. Why? Because that, that is not Tom Brady's strength. Tom Brady will throw a deep ball. I'm not saying he 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 doesn't have the arm to get it out there to Tyreek Hill, but that's not his game. And you have to play to your quarterback's strength. And with with Tom Brady is slot receivers, tight ends, and running backs out the backfield. Yeah, and and my argument was just that not not saying. Not saying, like, I wasn't even focused on Antonio Brown isn't their best receiver. It was more so of that it handicaps our offense so much and an offense that has so many weapons, so much talent, to be like, man, look, hey, we got to focus on the middle of the field, these short passes to our slot receivers and our tight ends when you got probably, the if not the best, the second best wide receiver duo uh, in the league and you can't and they can't be used and, and that's very true but just like how you feel like they're at their best when they use everybody spread the ball around throw these deep balls and everything else you have a lot of people that's obsessed with Tom Brady that feel like we don't care who we have unless you tell us we have Randy Moss, we're not about to throw this ball 30, 40 yards downfield. They, you, that's what I'm saying. You can replace Mike Evans with any other receiver you want. They still want Tom Brady to play the same. So it's not even about what he has as a unit anymore. Because although we have Mike Evans, Mike Evans won't be going downfield deep. Because we have Godwin, Godwin won't be getting the opportunities to go down the field uh, for these deep routes. So their strength, they feel like their strength is when Tom Brady is throwing these balls in the seams to these tight ends, throwing the ball to the running back out the backfield and attacking the slots. So at the end of the day, they want Bruce and Tampa Bay to play what they call Tom football, which is 
do those things I just named. Amen. I honestly think that gives them their best chance of winning. I'm not going to sit up here in front. Um, I, I I just think that's what Tom's used to. I don't care who your quarterback is. He has to be comfortable with what he's doing and what he's seeing. And given the fact that he has got when he has Antonio Brown, he has to utilize those guys because everybody had a big deal about Antonio Brown being targeted so much since he came back. And, you know, like we spoke about in the losses, they tried to establish Antonio Brown early in the games that they lost. And I'm like, bro, they had nothing to do with it. The quarterback was horrible. This game, they lost to Kansas City. They had four other guys, I'm sorry, five other guys on the team that was targeted more than A.B. this Sunday. And they still lost. So A.B. is not the problem. It's the quarterback. When they play bad, Tom Brady play bad. This game alone, Patrick Mahomes, who you can't compare Pat Mahomes to any quarterback. So I'm going to tell you his stats because they was just ridiculous. Uh, 462, three tubs, zero touchdowns compared to time going for 345, three touchdowns and two INTs. That's a team that quarterback played phenomenal, didn't turn the ball over. The other team quarterback did put the ball in harm's way and really should have had three or four interceptions that game. Um, And they made a push at the end to make the game look closer than what it truly was. But at the end of the day, that game felt so much more than a three-point victory because, you know, of course, you go up, Andy Reid's not trying to run up the score and things of that nature. Hartman dropped the ball in the scene that all he had to do was catch it, and it was a touchdown because wasn't nobody going to catch him wide open uh, running in the scene. Um, but it, it's Tom Brady. I'm, I'm one that believes you're, you're only probably as, as good as your quarterback is going to play in the NFL we know in the NFL you need a quarterback to win. Whether he's a system quarterback or just simply a great quarterback, your quarterback has to play great majority of the time if you're going to be successful. Tom Brady was bad, and Tampa Bay lost this game because of that. If he doesn't turn the ball over, uh, they have a chance to win this game. And then you have a lot of people that feel like, oh, but the defense allowed 17 points in a row. Well, didn't Tampa Bay get get the ball after they scored? Didn't Kansas City have to kick the ball and give it to Tom Brady and he had a chance to go down and score? What about that? It goes hand in hand. So, yeah, they lost, bro. Now, to me, it's Tom Brady. It, it is. You got to sign Tom Brady some blame. And I know, I know what gets under your skin is people not being able to give him any amount of the blame uh, for when things like this happen. But that defense has to take some credit for that loss too. Oh, no doubt. And, Anytime like, you, but but this is like my I thing. Say, and like I say, when you go up against a, a high power offense like Kansas City, you have to pick your poison, and they just exactly. pick it. They just pick exactly. Exactly. But uh, and, and yeah, that they the coordinator uh, Bowles, right? Right. He he should have known better. Like that's yeah. You you got to pick better. You don't. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> he I can't the most dangerous play. guy on the field yeah, and I, say, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play him one on one. Yeah, we're gonna live with him. He gonna right. he gonna get what he gonna get. No man, that's not the guy. You miss a tackle. This dude throwing up the peace sign like that. You gonna live with him, man? Look, I've been speaking highly of Tyreek Hill now for the last two to three years. Outside of Julio Jones, you may tell me another receiver is better than Tyreek Hill, but my question is, 
are there as effective every Sunday as Tyreek Hill? Because I understand he's not as tall as as D Hop and Michael Thomas, and he's not as strong and big as those guys. But his impact on the field, the way teams have to line up and, and account for him, uh, plays a huge part in what he brings to Kansas City's offense. He's dangerous when the ball is in his hands. I'm not sure if there is a more elusive guy in the NFL or a guy that can take a ball to the house. Uh, you know, having the chance to take the ball to the house is, is as big as Tyreek Hill. And he's a phenomenal receiver. He's so much more than just a gadget guy or, um, you know, whatever you want to call these fast guys these days. He's a complete receiver to me. And it just so happened he's playing with the best quarterback in the NFL. But like you said, man, you I understand you got to pick your poison, but you don't live with Tyreek Hill one-on-one. But even to start that game, the first drive that Casey had the ball, right? They go down there and they get to the one. Tampa Bay closed the door. They kick a field goal. That's a great start. <laughs> I mean, what you expected coming in this game? Pat Mahomes wanted to go for it. Andy Reid had to pull him off the field. Nah, bro, we're taking this three. We've been Tom Brady. I've seen this too many times. You know what I'm saying? So... <sighs> I really thought Tom was going to be in the shootout because nobody fears Kansas City defense. So it's kind of like, why didn't you get it done? It's, it's KC. Sure, they're going to score points. Sure, you're going to be asked to, to, to score 30 or 33 points to win this game. But you tell me you put up zero points in your first three possessions? Yeah, game over against them, bro. That's ball game. So looking back at uh, week 12, was there any other game that or anything about any of those other games that really caught your eye? I know we both went into it looking at that Coach Titans game, but like I I told you all fair, it seemed like Derrick Henry is the only person that could run against that Coach defense. Yeah, Derrick Henry is just amazing, man. Um, We just was talking about the Coach defense the week before last, and I told you that I liked them, and I said, but – I just can't trust them at this point against the high-powered AFC teams or the teams that you know are going to be there in the AFC. And Tennessee was one of those teams that I called off. And I really feel like Tennessee is so underrated on the offensive side of the ball because I like A.J. Brown. I love A.J. Brown. I mean, I had a, a, my homeboy Hearn put me on him, and this dude has been, like, lights out, like, you know, ever since last year since I've been watching him. Because when I used to watch Tennessee, I used to be looking out for Corey Davis because, I mean, he was so highly talked about in college. But A.J. Brown steals the show. And then you match that with Derrick Henry and a quarterback that's not turning the ball over uh, as much. When a defense do get healthy, if they can get healthy and, and play decent, I really think Tennessee could really make a push again this year. But uh, the coach just didn't have the, the best. They just didn't show their best effort this Sunday. And uh, the game got out of hand very quickly. And I really think that's and I really think that's all credited to Tennessee's run game, man. I because even last week when they played against Green Bay, it had to be look, Aaron Rodgers gonna sit here and he's gonna have to figure out a way to beat our secondary, and they still ended up winning that game, but they mm-hmm. held Aaron Jones to like forty yards that game. Right. And then Derrick Henry mm-hmm. comes and runs for one fifty in the first half. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. well and one thing 
And the thing, the thing they did with Aaron Jones too. Not only did they stop the run, they stopped the run without stacking the box. Yep. They didn't sell out to stop the run against the Packers. But we saw Sunday they sold out trying to contain Derrick Henry. He was like, "Nah, bro, not today. Exactly. I got somewhere to go. I got somewhere to be. I don't know if he had family at the game or what, <laughs> but uh, he was on one. <laughs> he was on one. He was showing out, man. Um, and then. Just real quick, the turnover fest that was 49ers Rams. Oh, man, <laughs> man, I watching that game early, and I want to say the first few possessions were just all turnovers. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, man, this gotta this okay, they're gonna get past this, and then this they're gonna get rolling, and it, it never picked up. <laughs> and even in the fourth quarter, you tuning in, and man, more turnovers. I the Rams I was, had got into a rhythm. Like I was, they they didn't. We didn't know who they were for the first half of the season, and then it seemed like they figured it out. And I was like, okay, well, the Rams are about to really pick it up. And then, boom, they they do this against San Francisco. I and we spoke off air about the Rams. How I feel about the Rams. They still suspect to me. Like, it doesn't matter how many wins they have. You have a puncher's chance of beating them. But they front fours for real. They got a real good solid defensive unit. But they offense, I like their offense. I really like all the misdirection stuff. I'm a fan of that. Keep it simple. If you don't trust your quarterback a whole bunch, establish the run uh, early. So when you do do play action later on, it's a little bit more opener and things of that nature. I like their offense. I just feel like they need a dominant running back to make it work. When they had when they had Ty Gurley, uh, this offense was potent. I mean, it couldn't be stopped until they met the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But uh, I feel like the offense is still good. But because they have they're running the ball by committee, they don't even know who their guy is over there. You got three guys that's touching the rock eight to ten times every Sunday for uh, for the Rams. So they like you said they haven't established their identity on offense and sometimes it bite them in the butt and this Sunday was one of those uh situations and like you just said uh when you line up against them uh the better teams in the NFL when you line up against them you got a chance of beating them every mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. I feel like that yep. about the whole NFC West at this point yeah yep. Arizona mm-hmm. San Francisco I- the Rams Seahawks I feel like that about yep. all of them yeah they so close, but they so far away all at the same time. Yep. No matter who they beat, you know they're going to turn around and lose to a team that's have way less talent than they have. So but, let's – uh, the only games I found in. So you want to look forward to week 13. It is Falcon week again for us. <laughs> we go to Atlanta this time Always around. Yeah. Um, we're minus three in that game, surprisingly, honestly. Um, what to me. It's not surprising to me. Really? I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a minus one, if that was a pick game. I really – the Falcons have pulled off, what, three or four really good games? Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, it's – every time we step into a division game, it's going to be tough. Well, not right. every, every time, but that's the expectation that it's going right. to be a tough game. And, mm-hmm. and the way that they've been looking these past few weeks, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it had ended up being a pick 'em. 
especially well, Taysom Hill being the quarterback. And of course, that and that's what it comes down to. That's why Atlanta um, is is expected to be in this ball game with us because they they just put up I think it was forty two or forty five against uh, the Raiders this past Sunday. And you know when they're healthy and that offense is rolling, they have a chance to beat anybody really, well almost anybody. And then if you look at New Orleans, the only thing that have kept us on float these past couple weeks is because the defense has just been flat out awesome. So. You keep telling yourself the defense can't do this every Sunday. They got the fold one of these weeks. And the way Atlanta looks Sunday, it can be it can be the week that they fold. And if the defense is not that su- su- superb and Taysom has to score like we expected that he would have to do the first time we played Atlanta, we expected that he would have to put up a couple points. Um, I can see why they went this way, why they went this direction with this game. I really do think Atlanta will play us a lot tougher. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that they are because I'm one of those things, fans. I still want to see a real game from Taysom Hill. I'm really not concerned about the him throwing touchdowns and things of that nature. I just want to see him get the opportunity to be in a tight ball game where he's forced to make some decisions quickly. To see how he reacts to it. Because so far it's been, you're not forced to make this throw. It's okay. You don't have to get this first down. We could punt and put the defense back on the field because right now we're winning. Uh, this team is so shorthanded. We got the we got this one in the bag. So I want to kind of see him in a tight ball game just to see his decision making more than anything. I don't want to see him in a tight ball game because we're probably going to see it. <laughs> We got, we got to see. We can't go into next year still not knowing who this man Red, is. At quarterback. He not go. be our quarterback next year. So no matter what he is after this year. All right, you remember this, man. I'm telling you. I told you. I told you before the year started, bro. If if something happened, this is our backup. Sixty million dollars. I got sixteen million reasons to say this is our backup. And so. we got, and now, and now that we see what it is that we have, I can guarantee uh, that that won't be the case next year. But, um, like I said, I don't, I, I don't have faith in him in a close game at all. Uh, not like that. <laughs> so if we're if we're gonna win this game, it, it has to be by more than three. Um, yeah. I once again, I I understand all the reasons why. It's going to be a close game, and like I say, like I said last time, it's not even about who that quarterback. This this would be projected to be a close game regardless, right? Um, but you just you just have more faith in the Saints if Drew Brees was under center. Um, right. yeah, I man, if we gonna win, it, it can't be close. It can't be close. The defense, the defense has been playing great. I don't know what uh the status of you know, if Jenkins is going to be uh, come that Sunday. Nasty-looking injury. That looked yeah. nasty. So not having him would definitely hurt, especially when we're we're going into a Julio Jones-Calvin Ridley game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would definitely need him. But I, I don't want Taysom Hill trying to have to score uh, – do go score for score with Matt Ryan because mm-hmm. Matt Ryan will win that every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I feel you. Yep. Well, that's what we got to look forward to. Uh, hopefully, the de- defensive line can keep leading the way. Um, hopefully, we can keep running the ball with Elvin Kamara and uh, Latavius Murray. Um, like we said before, I'm a, a guy who loved to see Latavius Murray get as many opportunities as the game will allow him to. I feel like we uh, should use him so much more than we normally do. We, like you said, we always kind of lean more on him once the quarterback goes down, which yeah. that happened to Drew Brees last year, and now it's happened to him again. But I just feel like he should be a bigger part of the offense no matter who's there. So uh, hopefully we could keep this this uh, hot wave going and we can take care of the Falcons uh, because we hate the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> and we we need to secure that number one seed. That's more than anything. We need to more secure that number one seed. All right, man. So you want to talk some basketball? Yeah, let's talk some NBA. Let's so, get into it. Your team, the Los Angeles Lakers, they have made several key splashes. And I would love to hear your take on your team, the defending world champions. Do you feel like they have improved with the additions that they made this offseason? 100%. Um, The the best thing about this offseason, right before free agency started, Palinka had an interview where he said, man, the, the thing that ruins a team's chance to be able to repeat is being conservative when it comes to the offseason. He was like, we mm-hmm. can't do that. We got to be aggressive. We got to we gotta keep trying to get better. And he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, went out there and made the move for Dennis Schroeder, which gives us uh, more versatility at point guard than mm-hmm. it, it Rondo was giving us, and that uh, Alex Caruso can give us. Um, the I was I was a little thrown off about the Dwight Howard situation when it first was occurring when he said he was returning and then turned around and went to Philly, but mm-hmm. then it all made sense once Montrez Harold came into the fold, um, which was. Nobody saw that coming. That was that came out of left field, um, and that was such a such a power move because you were not only strengthening your own team, but you were taken away from who's seen as the second best team in the conference as well. Um, Wesley Matthews, he is, uh, he's Danny Green. If we've been honest. Um, moving moving on from Danny Green, who we know where he is career wise, but last year didn't have his best year shooting right. a three. But he he definitely still showed up defensively. Mm-hmm. But he didn't he didn't have the best year shooting the three ball. And Wesley Matthews does a lot of those same things. Hopefully he can shoot the ball at a better clip. But defensively he'll be able to to blend in well. Um, and then Marcus All man. Marcus Hall is somebody that I've wanted back in a Laker uniform. Um, he's already a champion. He's a defensive player of the year. He gives us – he's going to be able to give us more, even more than what Dwight Howard um, Definitely. was able to give us last year because of his outside shooting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and his he's more he's more versatile on the inside. He has more post moves. He can actually give you, like I said, outside scoring. Um, man, th- I can I, I honestly didn't see our offseason going this well. Mm-hmm. I knew we would improve in some spots, but there's not one move that we made that didn't make sense that didn't make us better. Yeah. And and the fact that we still holding on to Kuzma at this point. I don't yeah, know yeah. if we're going to end up going into the season with him still because mm-hmm. AD hasn't signed his contract yet. And I don't know if that's because they want to structure his contract in a way that allows Giannis to come over next year or mm-hmm. if they got something mm-hmm. else planned for this year. So yeah. we're going to see how that plays out. But, yeah, we're we're – 100% already better than what we were last year. So just speaking and touching on the situation with the AD contract, I definitely think those are the reasons that he hasn't signed yet is that they're looking into the future already. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you can take on another superstar in today's basketball, you have to cash in on that opportunity. Uh, I really think that the Lakers improved as well this offseason. So Dennis Schroeder is, I would say, a better player than what Rondo is at this point. However, I necessarily don't care about season good with the Lakers. I care about playoff good with the Lakers. And I think playoff Rondo is better than what Dennis Schroeder is. So losing Rondo, I don't say it can come back and hurt them, but I didn't see that happening. I was one of the people who thought, it was clear that Rondo was coming back. It wouldn't make sense for him to go nowhere else at this point in his career. But, I mean, he cashed in, and I can't blame him for that. It just was fun to see Rondo in the situation once again when he was playing for a championship. And it was it was fun to see him having a chance to actually play. Because a lot of guys at this point in their career – on good teams, and they're basically riding the bench. But when when called upon, I spoke with you about it. I felt like Rondo played the third best out of any other Laker uh, in this past postseason when he was given the opportunity to play, which was was quite a bit. The only thing I didn't like about the Lakers' uh, free agency situation this year was that they missed out on a guy who I felt would have brought the most. I felt like this guy would have been bigger than what Gasol or anybody could have done for him. And that was Serge Ibaka. Uh, I definitely thought it was clear cut that that they would be aggressive with Serge Ibaka uh, this offseason. It would have been great to see a guy that's seven feet tall, that's a pretty good passer. He could shoot the three. He could spot up. He's pretty good in pick and roll. And he could still defend man to man and on weak side with the with the blocks. Uh, it would have been fun to see him in a situation with the Lakers. But, I mean, if you're the Lakers, you can't hold your head too too far down because, like you said, you got Gasol, you got Montrez, so, you know, things and, are still looking good. And to my knowledge, from everything I read, that was always the goal, was to go after Serge Ibaka. Um, but Montrez became available, which wasn't anything, uh, what, which wasn't something anybody had foreseen happening, and they preferred Montrez Harrell over Serge Ibaka, which I do as well at this point, um, because athleticism mm-hmm. separates it. Well, not athleticism 
is his athleticism I prefer over what Serge Ibaka can give you with his outside scoring. Especially if you're going to be able to pair that with Marcus Allen and what he's able to do with mm-hmm. his. So it balances out. Um, so, yeah, going into free agency, Serge Ibaka was somebody I definitely expected to be a Laker from everything that I read that I I had heard. But when Montrezl Harrell became available, that really changed everything. So you lost Avery Bradley. And I liked Avery Bradley because during the season, he was the third best Laker player. But other than that, everything else that you lost, you somewhat replaced it. You just said Rondo for, for Dennis. Uh, you separated from Danny Green. However, you was able to bring in uh, Wes Matthews. I just felt like Serge Ibaka would have benefited the Lakers cementing themselves right back to the finals more than any one of those guys. AD, at this point, doesn't see himself as a center. Uh, he sucks it up and plays center uh, most of the time that you know they need him to. But I just felt like Serge Ibaka would have freed him of all those center needs. And, I think and, Serge, and Gasol does that. Gasol and Montrezl Harrell does that. He won't have to play center next year. They do, but we saw we saw uh, Montrez kind of get um, sized up and roughed up in the playoffs against, against uh, Joker. And I think yeah. Serge Ibaka doesn't have that I don't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it seem like Serge would shut Joker down. I just feel like he would be a better defender in that situation. I feel like the Lakers are already good enough everywhere else. The only problem that I have or any issue I see is with their size and the center position. And to me, when it comes to a player like um, like Jokic, because once again, there aren't that many uh, centers providing that type of uh those type of problems uh in the NBA, in today's NBA anyway. So when it comes to somebody like Jokic, he's one of those guys where he's gonna get what he's got what he's gonna get. You're gonna be able to try to make it a little more difficult for him, which a Marcusaw will be able to do. You but so? at the end of the day he's gonna get what he's gonna get. Yeah. And um I I just don't think that that Gasol I don't know what the Lakers. I, I can't speak. I can't speak on how the Lakers will use them. But I just feel like playoff time. You know that rotation get chopped down into half. You only playing seven, maybe eight guys at most in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And Serge Ibaka is a guy who can create his own shot still to this day. And when he does fall off after the pick, we know he can still shoot the three at a high at a high level. Um, but like I said, I just like the energy that he brings. I like the defensive presence. He's a little, he's more mobile than Gasol. Um, and I just like that. But like you said, you have so many other guys when you, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it still should be enough to get it done. Absolutely. Um, So besides the Lakers, was there any other signings that you liked or any directions that, uh, teams are taking that kind of caught your attention? That caught my attention? There was okay, so there were a lot of teams who I felt like did a great job during free agency or during the NBA offseason in general. Because I can even point at a team like Charlotte, mm-hmm. uh, signing Gordon Hayward and being able to draft Lamelo Ball and say, "Hey, that's the first winning offseason they've had in a very long time," and it's definitely uh, 
a step in the right direction for them finally, because uh, this is a team that's in the lottery every single year. Mm-hmm. And on these past few these past few years, they've actually been making picks and acquiring players that that are going to be able to make them relevant again uh, with the Bridges of the world and the uh, um oh, what's that guard name Dylan Brooks and guys like that who is going to make up for a really good young core. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. You had something on that? Oh, no, no. I just was touching and agreeing with you. I like I like what Charlotte done for as the younger guys, but I wasn't a huge fan of, hey, we're going over there. Uh, and it had mostly to do with his contract more than anything. That, that, other than that, I mean, I was cool with it. And uh, I want to say, man, you had that conversation about would he be able to get that money elsewhere. And, uh, and my comment was he wouldn't have opted out if he couldn't get that money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed like it came down more to the years than anything mm-hmm. else. When um, I saw he opted out, I was like, what is he thinking? And then when he got that deal, I was like, I want to meet his agent. Like, I need him in my life, negotiating everything I do in life. Like, I I just didn't see him getting that kind of money Uh from Charlotte, but and like I say, you don't you don't opt out unless you know you can get it. Yeah, and like I but, say, uh, even more important for him at this point was the years. You know, instead right. of one year, it was one year at Boston. Nah, let me go ahead and and get three, four, five years, so I know right. if I do get hurt again, I'm taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. that's how that's how I looked at it. I liked uh, Miami picking up on Avery Bradley, the guy that child lost another three and D guy to go with what they already have. And I was very uh, pleased to see that the Pelicans picked up on uh, Steven Adams, a big man that we know that can rebound and he's going to be physical and uh, give us some type of defensive presence in the middle. Uh, I was, I was pleased with all those. We also left out that uh, KCP also resigned with the Lakers. Uh, I thought which that that why, was a pretty, a, which is why the Avery Bradley thing didn't really bother me. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because they, yeah, in some sense they, they the same player. He just got a bigger role. Um, I, I also like Jay Crowder going to Phoenix. Um, just another physical body. I like those kind of guys. To me, you can almost never have enough of those guys. Guys that you know that's going to be physical, that still can get out and run. And, uh, you know, he's working on his three-point shot. It's come a long way. So um, I like that move uh, um, also for them. Miami's offseason, that, that's one that wasn't a good offseason to me. Um, I didn't understand exactly what they were going for with that. Um, re-signing Myers Leonard and um, God, what's the other guy? They, uh, I understood the Dragic. Of course, you. I, I wanted them to bring back Dragic. That was definitely positive. Mm-hmm. But then Myers Leonard, uh, that deal didn't make too much sense to me. And there's one other guy they re-signed as well that didn't that didn't really make too much sense to me. They didn't they didn't get better in um, they didn't get better knowing that they overachieved last year. So they didn't put themselves in a position, in my opinion, to get back to the finals at all. They kind of, they, and once again, yeah, they, they, they kind of, they kind of just was like, look, we overachieved last year. Uh, let's, let's just try to maintain what we have and maybe, and maybe their plan is for next offseason. Maybe they're just trying to set themselves up to just be players in next year's offseason. 
when a Giannis may be available, but they definitely didn't do anything to try to get back to where they got to this year. And I think that's exactly what it was, was because they still reached out and tried to get guys, but the guys just didn't come their direction. And Serge Ibaka was one of those guys that they uh, reached out for. But to me, they didn't get desperate and just start signing guys and giving away free money, basically. And I, I kind of like when teams do that. If if you don't get your guy, then don't go overpay for a guy that you didn't really even have your eyes on just because you feel like you had to do something. I didn't see uh, uh, Dragons resigning with them. I really didn't see that. I really thought he was going to go elsewhere. He was going to get uh, better deals from, from other teams. But Miami, uh, they did get that done. I wanted um, a Fred Van Fleet. That's what I was looking at uh, as a replacement, a potential replacement, if that was the case uh, that he would have left. And I always figured Dragic wanted to stay there. Um, and if they parted ways, it was going to be on Miami's side of it all. Um, you touched on the Pelicans. I do like every, I think, every move that they've made. Mm -hmm. uh, the Drew Holiday trade kicked it yep. all off. Yeah. Uh, and that brought them back. Uh, <laughs> that brought them back a ton of riches. Um, and then turning to Steven Adams, bringing him in and, and giving them something at the center position that they, they didn't really have consistently right. uh, last year because, um, God, Derek favors, Derek favors mm -hmm. played out of his mind he when he did. last year. It was, <laughs> it, it caught me off guard, honestly, but that's not something you can bank on mm -hmm. uh, going forward. Um, and then of course, extending Brandon Ingram, uh, that was that was huge for them as well. Um, Phoenix, you touched on the Jay Crowder signing, but of course the Chris Paul trade. Mm -hmm. um, I it's hard for me to to really assess that trade because I don't. I it's hard for me to believe that they think that trade actually made them contenders. And maybe it was it was more of a just getting a veteran in that could help mold Devin Booker to be to, to become something even better than what he's already on pace to being. Mm -hmm. Um, so that that definitely was interesting. And Houston, Houston is a team that hasn't been talked about uh, much ever since the the trade rumors started flying. But I like their team. Uh, going, it, it, I like their team as it is right now. If that's how they go into the season, we're still having Westbrook, Harden. You brought in Christian Wood. You brought in Demarcus Cousins. I don't know what his rehab time was looking like. I don't know if he's ready to go or not. Um, but those having James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and they're bringing in Christian Wood, who I do really like. And then DeMarcus Cousins, you're already shifting away from the ridiculous small ball narrative mm -hmm. and getting right. back to a more traditional sense of basketball with once again two of the less the least anybody's gonna go is top 15 players in the NBA. Yeah. And then DeMarcus Cousins, you're you're taking a roll of the dice where, man, the upside is crazy on that. If he yep. could get anywhere near back to where he was. Yep, I agree. I agree with all that. Um, 
They had to get size. Like, that was a no-brainer for them. They had to get size. It had to start there. But I'm just curious to see how the James Harden situation plays out. I think he's made it very clear that he wants out. Um, but they're like, nope, we're not letting you go nowhere. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Normally the player overpowers that to some degree. You don't want a guy there who don't who doesn't want to be there. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that how that all plays out with Houston. But you spoke about Chris Paul going to Phoenix, and you, you know you said that doesn't make them a, a contender. Um, I, I think it makes them a contender for the eight seven eight seed. <laughs> uh, I think they but could other have been than without Chris Paul, though. I just, mean, just with the progression we, of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton alone, would have gave yeah. you that. You could have went and added and, another piece like a Christian Wood or a guy like that and mm-hmm. been that. <laughs> and, and I think another reason why they did it more than anything was just to show Devin Booker, hey, bro, we trying. We trying. You know, I think that's what it was about more than anything. If they could have got something a little bit more exciting than Chris Paul. Uh, a guy who he could have possibly uh, grown with. I think they would have, of course, done that, but they just got the best available guy at that present time. I still want to see Booker out of that system. We spoke about Devin Booker off air maybe a month ago. Um, You know, I think that the future is bright for him, but I just want to see him get out of Phoenix and go team up with some guys who, um, who he can depend on. And um, one other team that we haven't talked about yet who had, uh, to me, had an amazing uh, offseason is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, The Atlanta Hawks were able to add a lot of pieces that weren't necessarily flashy, but definitely add to what type of basketball they want to play. And what kind of basketball is that? What kind of basketball do you feel they want to play? They they want to be they want to focus on being a three point shooting team. That's what they want to be. They want to be what Miami was last year, being able to shoot the three point, shoot the three the three ball at a high clip, but also be solid defensively. So of course with Trey Young, they were they they with Trey Young and um the the other guard Kevin Kevin Harter. Um, and those other young guys that they had, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and there's one more, Cam Reddish. They have their three-point shooting, and then they have their interior defense with Clint Capella and with John Collins. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what they want to be. They want to be that type of guy. They, I mean, that that type of team. So then to go out and add another another great three-point shooter. And Bogdan, uh, Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. steal him away from from Sacramento, and then add in a Gallinari, and then huh? Go ahead, with you, I'm listening. Oh yeah, they added Gallinari, and then once again they they focused on that perimeter defense with guys like uh, Rondo, with Rondo, uh, Solomon Hill, um, Chris Dunn. Guys like that, they were mm-hmm. able to bring in and really, like, like I said, I can I can see clearly what it is they're going for, and once again, they want to be the Miami Heat of last year, mm-hmm. and they have the talent to do so. Yeah, I definitely like the names that they signed, 
I think the names alone made them better than what they was last year instantly. However, I have to see how they're going to get these guys to all work together. I got to see the roles that they're going to have, you know, night in and night out and to see if they can fulfill those roles. Because to me, as of right now, it just looked like a team that should be pretty good on paper. You know, uh, I still think that they're missing that other big guy. The, the big name, now, if they would have pulled off a Bradley Beal type situation, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I see what they're trying to do, and they're going to be all right at doing it. But um, I do like that they're at least attempting to acknowledge their weaknesses and concerns. And like you said, they got guys to, to put in those positions. I just have to see it work first before and- I start buying it. And Rondo is a guy who I kind of – I don't really – feel like necessarily makes them that much better because I we spoke about this as well. I just don't see how he's going to be on the floor enough to be effectively because there's no way you could play him and Trey at the same time, I feel. And if you do, in this NBA, you might can pull it off, but the same thing you gain in on offense, you're giving up on defense in a sense. So Rondo is the least important of their signings. And some people feel like some people feel feel like like he is such a key addition. Yeah, I disagree. I feel like that's the Chris Paul thing we just talked about. A leadership role, um a molding of the younger players role. He's the oldest player on the team at 34. Mm -hmm. Um the only other player they got that's even over 30 is Gallinari. Mm -hmm. This is this is a team who has who has taken the OKC approach who has drafted uh, greatly over the years, and now it's just waiting for those players to really develop into what they're going to be. Yeah. Well, we shall see. NBA uh, right around the corner, believe it or not. So we shall get a chance to get our eyes on all these guys, uh, including your defending champs, uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and it should be a hell of a hell of a year this year. Yeah, and the the crazy part is I don't think that moves are done at this point. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Because you're still looking Not, at guys like Russell Westbrook and right. John Paul who, who yeah, definitely you know, just want to be in different places. Yeah, you know definitely uh, the, the NBA hasn't settled down yet. There's definitely going to be some moves uh, still out there that, that haven't been made. But, yeah, that was, that was our first time uh, being able to really – or at all touch on the NBA. So yeah. uh, we'll definitely a, be doing definitely be doing more of it, man. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the season about to pick up before the month end. Um but yeah, man, that's that's all we have for today. Um we're able to touch on our two weeks of football and and add some NBA talk in there. So hopefully uh y'all enjoyed that. And like always, we thank you guys for lending us your ears for 45 minutes, which has been an hour today. And we appreciate all the comments that we've been getting and all the feedback. So until next week, y'all be good, man. Stay safe. Absolutely.